Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Find Your Model Health podcast, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host. I'm Shemaine Laney. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist and nutritional therapist, and personal trainer at times when I feel like it. So today I am delighted to welcome a special guest to you all that I think is really going to enlighten you on many topics of how the environment is affecting our health and what we can do about it. But before I go on, I must remind you that the information in these podcast episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So please help me welcome Dr. Wendy Trubo, who is a medical doctor and also, which is amazing, a functional medicine gynecologist. Through her own struggles with mold and metal toxicity, which we're going to get into, and celiac and other health issues, Wendy has developed a deep sense of compassion and expertise for her patients that are also struggling along the same lines. And Wendy is also co-author of a book called Dirty Girl, which is a very catchy title. And if you didn't know it was about health, you would probably think it was about something else. So Wendy, welcome. Thank you for spending some of your day with me. It's nice to meet you. My Um, pleasure. As as we do all our guests, please tell us what got you into the health field? What got you into not just being a medical doctor and a gynecologist, but then what led you into the whole world of environmental toxins and all that? That sounds like a really simple question, Shemin, but it's actually, there's a lot of sort of cut points in it. So if you go really far back, I'm 52 and a half and my dad's a doctor, my uncle's a doctor, my cousins are all doctors. And I thought I wasn't smart enough to be a physician. So I actually didn't go to med school originally out of college. I went into psychology and sales and really weird experience found that I was this 22 year old sales rep. I was selling multimedia presentations when we still had slides and brochures. Like I was selling those Mm -hmm. things and my clients were kept asking me, health questions. And I would be like, wait, you're asking me? Like, I'm your 22-year-old sales rep. Why are you asking me? And they would be like, well, I feel like you know. So I said, okay, it seems like the universe. And people would ask me random health questions like on the street. Mm. So I said, okay, the universe is talking to me pretty loudly. So I went to med school and I went into a very mainstream traditional program, which was for OBGYN. And it's all about obstetrics and gynecology and surgery and women's care. And I really loved it. Uh, However, I'm not someone who's really set up to be awake for 36 hours and still be a nice human. I was really messy. And when I transitioned from med school into my residency, actually it was the first sort of health blip. I remember sitting at the table Uh, looking, we were reviewing a fetal heart tracing monitor, looking at the baby's heart rate. And I just happened to put my hand on my neck. And I was like, oh my God, my pulse is like 120. My pulse was like the baby's pulse. And I was like, what's up with that? So I went to acupuncture and of course I was a resident. So I didn't, I didn't really do very much to take care of myself and they fed us. So I ate what they fed us Mm. and don't even ask, right? It was just whatever Mm. showed up on my plate, I would eat it. And fast forward to I'm I'm 35. I'm married. I'm I just had my second kid, and I can barely get out of bed. Like I I really I only get out of bed because I'm the primary breadwinner. My husband's still a resident. I make more money than him, and I have to go to to work. Mm. Except I was miserable. You know, I had really a lot of issues. I had exhaustion. I had brain fog. I had hair loss. I had anxiety. My thyroid was off. I had heart palpitations. I had bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, sometimes on the same day, right? Like Mm -hmm. swing from constipation to diarrhea and then back again. Like it was crazy. Uh, I had trouble with my first pregnancy. I had not the best pregnancies. 
I was wasting. I had lots of nutrient deficiencies. I had no idea what was going on. I just knew I felt terrible. And um, our insurance was changing because I, my husband was graduating residency and we had a certain insurance and it was going from his to mine and his was better. And so he was like, before you lose your insurance, why don't you go see my mentor who's a functional medicine doctor in the Boston area? And I was like, okay, like mm-hmm. uh, whatever, right? I, I, except for being pregnant, I never went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. So he, he took the history from me and I don't really remember it. And he did this workup and I don't remember doing the workup. I just remember the results. And about six weeks later, I got the results and he said to me, you have celiac disease. And I was like, oh, my dad has celiac. And he said, well, it's, it's genetic. It's genetic. Like you should have been tested. I was like, I was never tested. So I got diagnosed at 35 and that was my first like in your face kind of thing where it was like, oh, there's another way to take care of people here. Right. It's not just like, wait till there's a problem. Cause I had a lot of problems So that opened my eyes to functional medicine, the impact it made because I went gluten-free. I started to fix my gut. I started to climb out of that very deep hole I had fallen down. And then I was doing pretty well. I I went into functional medicine myself. I left obstetrics and gynecology and really did functional medicine for women. Mm -hmm. And fast forward, I was now 48 and we came back from France from this trip of a lifetime. And when I came back, I lost half the hair on my head and I gained nine pounds and I had this rash and fatigue that would not quit. And I'm like, what's up with this, right? So what does every person think when they gain weight? My thyroid's off. So I test my thyroid. It's amazing. Never better. And then I'm like, okay, well, I'm 48. Maybe it's my hormones. I test my hormones. They look fantastic. And then like, well, all disease starts in the gut. Let me test my gut. My gut looks great. Now I'm really stumped because, you know, these are the big things. And I'm kind of flailing around for a few months and I'm frustrated because I'm at the highest weight I've ever been and I don't feel well. And nothing I do makes a difference. Changing my food, exercising more. You know, like I was that person who did everything right and it wasn't working and I was ticked. And then one day in the morning, I heard this report on the radio that said, When Notre Dame burned, it released 500 tons of lead dust into the air. And the closer you were to the epicenter, the bigger exposure you got. So all these Parisians got exposed to a ton of lead. Well, guess what? I was in France the week after Notre Dame burned. And that's when I went off the cliff. So I did, I was like, oh my God, honey, we got it. We got a lead exposure when we were there and I'm sick. Yeah. So I did the testing and my lead had previously been slightly out of range and I blew it off. Bad doctor. Doctors are the worst patients. So I kind of was like, well, it's not that high. I'll watch it, right? So now it's like significantly higher and I don't feel well. And so I said, oh my gosh, I got this massive, massive lead exposure enough to tip me over the the cliff, right? And so I started treating the lead Right before I went to France, I did a test for mycotoxins. One of the reps was said to me, oh, hey, we have a, we have a free test. Why don't you do it on yourself and see what you get? So I had sent it off before, before France. And then I kind of forgot about it because I was so, you know, pulled into like, oh my God, I gained almost 10 pounds. What's going on here? Yeah. It's really upset. And I got distracted. And then I went back to the test. And I went, oh, I have five strains of mycotoxins. Mycotoxins are the toxins that mold puts out when it's in your body and mm-hmm. it can make you sick. And it can make you fat and it can make you not, not be able to lose your weight. Hmm. So now we have two sources, right? Yeah. And then I figured, well, in for a penny, in for a pound, I'll check all my toxins. And I tested the environmental toxins, the herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, and I had a whole slew of them. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm such a dirty girl. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to write the book about because we consider ourselves to be the per- the poster children for healthy living. And yet... I'm getting nailed. Everyone around me is getting nailed. It's everywhere and nobody's aware of it. So we wrote the book to get, basically create a roadmap for people to get the word out, to allow people to transform their health, grow their hair, lose the weight, feel freaking amazing, right? Because that's how you're meant to be. You're meant to feel freaking amazing, but we don't often. Most people don't. Most people don't. In the beginning of what you said there, you literally were repeating everything I hear from yes. my clients 
fatigue, can't get out of bed, anxiety, bell, just all the time. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind me saying, you look amazing for 52. I would not have guessed 52. I was like, she must be around 35 or so. I like you very much. I'm going to come back and hang out with you a lot. No, I'm 52. I'm I'm (laughs) menopausal now. I'm like totally menopausal. It's crazy. Well, I have have the gift of Irish charm, so I know how to say things. You're um, a charming lady. I know. I mean, it's thank you. So the, the, the thing is, though, people like me and you and what we do, we are health professionals. We know how to take care of ourselves. We understand supplements and synergies, like everything. But yet we still have these issues. So then you're like, well, hold on. What about the average person who's doing none yes. of what? Like glass. I only drink out of glass. I only drink out of stainless steel. I don't even have a microwave. Like, but the people that, and yet I know I have issues, believe it or not. And this is actually, as you were saying it, I was like, huh, hold on. In March, myself, my husband and my little boy, we were Irish, obviously. So we went back for a trip. We went to Amsterdam for a week. We then went down to Paris for a week and then back to Ireland for a week. And we were at Notre Dame looking at them, putting it back up. And you know what, as you were speaking, I was like, huh, when I came back, I lost a lot of hair because I remember saying it to my stylist and I have a whoop and I kept getting rashes under my whoops. And I was like, why, what is going on here? Why? And no doubt I got toxic exposure, whether or not it's still lingering in the air. I know flying is crappy. I know like you eat out more when you're on but but seriously, I was I kept breaking out, and it's only in the last week or two that my system has calmed down. But yeah. it's crazy. So yeah. tell us a bit more about when you got this diagnosis of celiac. Like, how did that then change your perspective, and even how you lived? Uh, and I suppose for people who don't know, celiac, as you say, is genetic, but there's also other instances of leaky gut and gut issues. <clears throat> Yeah, it's really horrifying, actually, Shemaine. Uh, I'm presenting on this at the A4M conference shortly about leaky gut and the development of all autoimmune diseases because what happens, so, okay, celiac is genetic. The genes for celiac are coded on chromosome six on the HLA's uh, arm. There's there's this area that is implicated in a lot of chronic diseases and autoimmune diseases. So things like rheumatoid, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, adult rheumatoid arthritis, type one diabetes, celiac disease, ankylosing spondylitis. There's a long list of things that, that have genetic basis. And I'll speak specifically for celiac. When you have the genes for celiac, there's two genes. One is called DQ2. That's associated with 90% of most celiac and DQ8 is associated with about 10%, but is also associated with thyroid dysfunction, type one diabetes and juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. So, you know, we like to say where there's one autoimmune disease is often others. Mm -hmm. And so, because there is a genetic basis. So when you have this gene inside your gut, you have more copies of a receptor named CXCR3. I don't know why they named it that. It's a terrible name. But you have this receptor that responds to the gliadin particles. When gliadin binds to the CXCR3 receptor, you produce, you upregulate production of a substance called zonulins. Zonulins were discovered in 2000 by Alessio Fasano. And I'm a huge groupie of his. And I I know him. And I always say to him, I'm a total groupie. I'm convinced Mm -hmm. he's going to get the Nobel Prize for this, for this, discovery because this essentially sets the stage when you think about autoimmune disease. Autoimmune disease is the intersection between your genes, whatever triggers you have, and your leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And zonulins cause the cells in the gut to separate from each other. So your outside world, meaning what's in the lining of your gut, gets connected and exposed to your bloodstream. And now your bloodstream goes nuts because it's like, wait, bacteria, mycotoxins, other type of toxins, food particles. Oh my gosh, all these things get exposed to your inside world and the immune system responds. And depending on how you're going to respond, you're going to go down the pathway of a certain autoimmune disease. So I was, I have two copies, one each of DQ2 and DQ8, which means all my kids got a copy. 
Will it's you particular. test your kids, do you think? Yeah, well, so I tested myself first and learned yeah. that I had two copies. And then I remember when the doctor I was with, you know, I, like I didn't know. And I remember he sat me down. He was like, look, there's two copies. You have one of each. Mm-hmm. And that means your kids all got a copy, at which point I started to cry. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I did that to my kids, you know? But, you know, you don't know. No. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't on purpose, but, and I wouldn't change anything. I'd love having them in this world, but like I gave them really bad genes. So, um, so it is genetic. And, and so, oh, I've lost my train of thought here. So anyway, when you eat gluten, you increase expression of the CXCR3 and the zonulins and you create a, a, an episode of leaky gut essentially, because you're separating the junctions. Now, if you did that once a year, probably wouldn't be a big deal, mm-hmm. but most of us eat some variation of what I'll call the standard American diet. We've dubiously brought our food to the world. And that includes gluten for breakfast, gluten for lunch, gluten for dinner. If you don't have the gene, and by the way, Irish, Italian, and Jewish populations all are more likely to have the gene. If you don't have the gene you op- and you eat gluten, you open up your tight junctions for 15 minutes. If you have the gene and eat gluten, you open up your tight junctions and have the outside world being exposed to your, your systems and your bloodstream for up to four hours every time you do it. So if you're eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, you're eating gluten, you're getting exposed three times a day and your tight junctions are open the entire day, mm-hmm. which is extremely challenging for the body. Yeah. So for people who don't know, gliadin, how I pronounce it, is a protein found in gluten, which then stimulates these receptors to release zonulin and open the tight gut junctions. And when Wendy says your outside world gets exposed to your inside world, a lot of people don't know that your your whole gastrointestinal tract is technically outside your body. Mm -hmm. So when these junctions get open, whatever squeezes through these gaps, it enters your bloodstream and then your body has to launch an immune response and sort it out basically. So then what happens? What about people that don't have celiac? Cause I have a couple of clients with non-celiac. I actually have diverticulosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom has it, another genetically inherited fun thing. I'm pretty sure my sister has it based on her symptoms, which she hasn't got tested. I'm pretty sure my little boy has it based on what I've perceived with the glorious act of motherhood and (laughs) wiping butts and everything. So what else? Yeah, so it's interesting. I wouldn't think, for the listeners, I wouldn't think of disease like an on or off switch. I would think of it like a spectrum because you can, let's use diabetes as an example, because mm-hmm. most people are aware of a syndrome called metabolic syndrome. That's where you're insulin resistant. So you're not processing your glucose as efficiently. And so your glucose can go up, your insulin goes up. It's related very closely to polycystic ovarian syndrome, where your periods can be abnormal. It can be difficult to lose weight. It's all the same problem, right? But that having metabolic syndrome essentially is the precursor to diabetes. It's like pre people call it pre-diabetes. Mm-hmm. So you can certainly have disease states that haven't yet flicked the switch or crossed the line. So autoimmune mm-hmm. diseases are essentially spectrum diseases that you walk down. And sometimes you walk faster down that path than others. Like, I mean, I was sick for 20 years by the time I got diagnosed. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. because of the genes and the food I ate and the stressors, that was a very bad combination. But so you're, so don't think of disease like an on or off. So in terms of celiac disease, because celiac disease means you have the antibodies and you have the flattening of the villi, which are these lovely frond-like uh, appendages in, in all the cells of your gut that col- think of them like seaweed that are collecting all your minerals and nutrients. So they're mm-hmm. kind of like a hand. And when you have celiac, they're blunted. So you're not getting this fantastic surface area. You're only getting this tiny amount. So celiac people often have nutrient deficiencies, which I had. So mm-hmm. when you think about all the people who don't yet have a diagnosis of an autoimmune disease, but have something going on, you can presume that you're somewhere walking along the spectrum of disease and that you're not normal. You just haven't gotten a diagnosis yet. Mm-hmm. 
but thinking of it like don't wait till you get a diagnosis because by the time you have a diagnosis you're at the end of the road you'd love to intervene when you're at the beginning of the road so that your symptoms are not as bad so that you can tolerate more excursions so that might not be a life sentence right like i'm never going to eat gluten unless i get crispr and they take away my my genetic risk but mm. even so i think you know i notice that there's cellular reactions and so you want to intervene earlier so that it doesn't act as much such a problem for people yeah it's um <clears throat> it's like before you hit that gauge prevention is something we should all be thinking of regardless if you think you have a disease or not we should because it's it's almost inevitable that right. people are going to get sick the way we live now so prevention <clears throat> is key as they say but it's not even really prevention shemaine if you think about it if you say to most humans are you tired oh yeah i'm fatigued how's your sleep well it could be better how's your sex drive not good how's your stress high how's your digestion well sometimes i get bloated do you have any headaches yes do you have any anxiety yes like most humans don't think of those as the you know the blaring warning sign but those are the blaring warning signs the diagnoses are the end of the road but it's not prevention it's actually reaction it just happens at an earlier stage before you have a diagnosis per se yeah that's what i would say mm, i find it because sometimes I will get into the more kind of biochemical conversations with my clients. And it's it's quite hard for people to understand that these symptoms you're experiencing means there is something deeper happening. You're not just tired because you didn't sleep well right. last night. Like you're you're you've got some sort of mitochondrial dysfunction happening there. Your body's not functioning properly. Mm -hmm. So while we're on the topic of gluten, because I really want to drive this idea home to my followers, how does gluten affect inflammation? Right, great question. Okay, if you're not reactive to gluten, it doesn't. Except, okay, how do you eat gluten? You eat it in bread, cake, cookie, candy, pasta, cereal, beer, wine. So you eat it in a form that's been highly processed and is the highly processing part is what makes it inflammatory. Gluten, the, the wheat berries, those are, if they've been grown organically and you don't have an allergy to gluten, they're probably not a big deal, but that's not how we eat them. We process them down so that they convert to sugar very rapidly and sugar is extremely inflammatory. So when you've broken it from its complex carbohydrate state and ground it up, it's now easier to convert. Everything ultimately gets converted to glucose, but the harder it is, the better it is. And processed carbs are very easy to go from the carbohydrate to the ultimate form of glucose. So that's one way. The second way is that the majority of gluten is not organically grown. And so not only are you getting this grain that you're eating an inflammatory form of it, but you're also getting all of the chemicals and pesticides that were put on it. And so you get all these chemicals in your body. So when you take a step back and say, okay, if I if I'm don't have the genes, I'm hale and hearty, I'm strong like a bull, nothing throws me off, you can probably tolerate a little bit and it's not nasty for you. But the but a lot of us are so burdened by what I'll call death by a thousand cuts, because it's not just the gluten and the chemicals in that and the pesticides. It's the beauty products and it's the stress and it's the lack of moving our bodies and sitting all day. And it's the way that we're eating and the digestion we have. I mean, it's just piled on, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe we have a drink because we're stressed and that's a toxin straight up. So there's a lot of layers to it. And so most of us can't tolerate small excursions because we've got, we've sort of used up our elasticity mm. and we don't have any resilience left. We've kind of yeah. gone past what our bodies can take. I, I think that's a really important word. Resilience is most people are worn down physically and mentally. So yeah. then if you're already compromised, if your organs are already compromised and then you do have that drink, because you need it at the end of the day because you're worn down. Now mm -hmm. it's just compounding. And it I my heart does go out to people who just start a health journey and you're trying to tell them it's not just this. It's these 10 million things and you literally need to flip your life on its head. Right. Uh, but let's talk wait, let's talk about that though, because 
yes, you need to transform your life. And yes, it doesn't have to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And so it really is a journey and a process. And if you're like me, you'll screw it up. I have bought so many products in the last four years since I started this journey that I was like, Oh, I didn't check it. I didn't, I didn't look at EWG. I didn't look at Think Dirty. I didn't look at the app to make sure that it was okay. And I bought something that I got greenwashed by. You're going to screw it up. Mm-hmm. Just laugh, you know, like use it up, laugh it off, move on. Don't do it again on that same. Don't make the same mistakes twice, but yeah. it is a process. You just need to be in the game, mm-hmm. right? You can't just be like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. And I don't want to know about it. You need to be engaged because your life's at stake, but you don't need to make a transformation of everything overnight. You just need to, I always say to people, start to level up what you're running out of Mm because that's acute, right? You're running out of your lipstick. That's the time to get a better one, get the highest, cleanest version that your budget allows for. Yeah. But you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to like, it's not instantaneous. It's going to be a process. Yeah, and budget's obviously a big thing for people nowadays with the whole environment affecting Canada and the US and everywhere, but it can be very overwhelming for people, and if you just remember one day at a time, if you're making these small changes, before you know it, you have turned your life around, and you have turned your house upside down, like everything's being replaced it might take a year or more but you keep doing it and eventually you're in a better place totally (laughs) what we mentioned at the start of our call um I think that I I only drink out of glass I only drink out of stainless steel I don't own a microwave like I'm very obviously conscious because it's what we do we we do yeah but can I get a lot of messages telling me well I got this new bottle and it says it's BPA free and I'm like oh that 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 almost means nothing at this stage um so I try to explain to people you know there's other forms of BP there's BPF BPS people and it's still plastic can you discuss a little bit about plastics especially heating your food in plastic in a microwave okay yeah (laughs) Okay, let's talk about why this matters. So mm-hmm. let's go back to that. If you were strong like a bull and it was the only excursion you had, you could probably tolerate it once a week. Not mm-hmm. a big deal. But the issue is when you heat, when when you put f- food or drink into plastic and then you put that into your body, the plastic has inevitably degraded in some way and gotten into what you're putting in your body. So and, and the thing that I'll say is you know, a lot of patients who are like, I keep my plastic water bottles in the fridge. I'm like, well, okay, but what happened to them before they got to you? You mm-hmm. have no idea what happened before they got to you. And if they sat in an untemperature regulated warehouse or truck, it got heated. Yeah. You essentially baked it. And so you've already gotten that, that chemicals, trans- the chemical transference into your water or kombucha or tea, whatever you're drinking. Mm-hmm. So these plastics, when they get into the body, can act like forever chemicals and they disrupt the, the uh, they disrupt your endocrine system. What's the endocrine system? Your brain, your thyroid, your adrenals, and your female and male hormones. I mean, mm-hmm. when you look at fertility, fertility has plummeted over the last, over my lifetime, actually. The yeah. EPA and I were born in the same year. We were both born in 1970. And in yeah. my lifetime, fertility has plummeted. And in the last few years, male fertility has plummeted. It was going down a rate at 1% a year. Now it's about 3% a year. So you do 3% for 10 years, you got a 30% decrease in your fertility rate. That's horrifying. So, So when you go back to eating food that's coming from plastic, particularly microwaving food and plastic, you're essentially inviting the plastic to leach the chemicals into the food that you're now eating. I don't have a microwave either, actually. We got rid of it and got a double oven instead of the microwave in the oven. So I didn't so even you, know, like it doesn't, I don't even yeah. notice it. I never missed it. It's just, it's not a big deal. I, I miss the philosophy of it on leftovers night when we have eight yeah. pans reheating everything from the week. I'm like, but what we've done is we've started to just get big trays of uh, metal trays and, you know, put parchment paper down and 
kind of separate all the food. So anyway, yeah, I, I occasionally on, on leftover night, I'll be like, oh, this would be a lot easier, but I'm just, I don't really care. I'll eat my food cold. I really don't care how it comes as long as yeah, it's, yeah. it's healthy, right? So anyway, so so you want to look to what are ways that you can minimize your exposure? Because if you're drinking or eating or microwaving, microwaving food and there's plastic involved, you're getting chemicals yeah. and you're getting those chemicals on top of the foods that you're eating that are not organic, the products, excuse me, the products you're putting on your body that are toxic, that have additional endocrine disruptors, or if your if your beauty products come from another country, maybe they have contaminants, pesticides, metals. It's, hard, it's not in your favor. And yeah. then layer on what's your air quality, what's your wallet water quality, what kind of bed are you sleeping on? Does it have flame retardants? Do you live near a processing plant, a highway, a golf course, or a farm where you're getting exposure to the drift chemicals? There's a lot that goes into it. So if it were literally the only thing you got, you could probably deal with it, but you live on the earth. Mm -hmm. And even if you say to me, I live in, I live in Calgary in the woods, my yeah. response is, are you living in a tent? Cause that's plastic. So you're sleeping yeah. in a plastic <laughs> tent and you're eating food that's on some kind of plastic. So, so there's always exposure, no matter what you do. It's in our air. It's everywhere. Yes. Like you, yes. we cannot, people don't grasp that. None of us can avoid it. Even they've even found chemicals at the top of the Alps. Like it cannot yes. be avoided. Yeah, um, in Siberia, there's chemicals in Siberia. Nobody lives in Siberia. Yeah. In there's the chemicals Arctic, there. They tested the ice in the Arctic. Yes. They found chemicals. It's like, it's, it's everywhere. And all we can do is stack conditions in our favor. That's all we can do. We can never, yeah. ever be perfect. None of us. We just have to try to stack conditions, which totally. I would like to just step up, take a step back, if you don't mind, and just tell people like all this toxic exposure, all these chemicals and everything. Why is this a problem? Like what happens? Are these getting lodged in our tissues? Are these compromising our detoxification pathways? what are our detoxification pathways? Um, I suppose that's the big question because we kind of skipped over that before we go on to what can we do? Okay, so really the first question is why it matters. And it matters because all of these toxins are so inflammatory that when they hit our system, it essentially triggers us to go down whatever pathway our body normally goes down of inflammation. So for me, that was autoimmune. For someone else, it could be diabetes. For someone else, it could be dementia. For someone else, it can be weight gain. Any, It could be headaches, bloating, gas, diarrhea. You, you, there's so many things it could be, but essentially it's one of the foundational items. When I say one, I mean, you know, the whole exposure category causes dysfunction in our system. And so we're going to manufacture. I'm sorry to cut you off, but does this include anxiety? I have yes. just noticed a huge spike in anxiety in my current people and my new clients. Like it's yeah. astronomical. Yes. Uh, anything that you might have developed can get developed when your system gets stressed. And remember, the, the toxins aren't living in a vacuum, they're living in your body. So let's go to what happens. Okay. So let's say you get exposed to a toxin there's a couple of pathways you're going to walk down to get rid of that toxin. One might be, maybe it's water soluble. So you literally get exposed to it. Glyphosate is water soluble, easily, readily water soluble. So you can pretty easily pee it out. That's not a huge deal, except you continue to load up the pump with tons of glyphosate and it messes up your microbiome and the microbiome uh, then alters your mood right? So your serotonin, most of it's made in your gut, not your brain. And so if you have anxiety, depression, OCD, any type of psychiatric imbalance, you're going to want to look at the gut and the gut does not respond well to glyphosate, which is the most commonly used herbicide in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So walking back to how you do this, you can also go down the sweat it, that, in, that implies that it's water soluble. So it has to get water soluble in order for you to pee, or pee poop or sweat it out. So backing up, you also can go through the liver. The liver is responsible for a vast majority of your detox, and it goes through six different pathways to get rid of your toxins. And, and to boil it down, you take a toxin that's fat soluble. Remember, like when you make your oil and vinegar or your lemon mm -hmm. and, and oil, they don't mix. 
because oil and water don't mix. So the oil, the fat soluble toxin cannot be readily dissolved in your blood, in, in your uh, urine or your stool or your sweat because it's fat soluble. Mm -hmm. So you have to find a way to get it water soluble. And that's where the liver comes in. The liver converts those toxins from their fat soluble form into a toxic intermediate and then binds it by one of those six pathways and gets it water soluble bound inert. Okay. That sounds great, right? But lots of stuff can go wrong. Once it's inert, you either pee it out, poop it, put it in the stool to poop it out, or you sweat it out. The majority of ways is really pee or poop. And what can happen is because you're getting exposed to all of these toxins, the system gets overloaded. Has I don't know if any of the listeners have ever seen Lucy, uh, I Love Lucy, in this, this episode where she and Ethel are trying to put wrappers on pieces of candy that are coming down an assembly line. And at first it starts slow. So they're like, cool, we got this. And then it goes faster and faster to the point where they cannot keep up with the with the, what's coming at them. Mm -hmm. That's like us and toxins. We have so many things that we're being exposed to that the liver at some point is like, I, I, I can't do that right now. I can't deal with that right now. So in in an, a way to keep the system safe, because it's not, it's, it's very inflammatory. The body will shunt these toxins into your fat, your bones, your organs, your brain, so that they're not floating around the bloodstream. Okay. And then guess what? They make us, they make our brains not work. They make us have osteoporosis. They make us not be able to lose weight because these toxins are hanging out in our body, but our system's not able to deal with it. And so yeah. it, it, it's extremely stressful and overwhelming for the body. Let me pause And even there. worse, and even worse if, um, if someone has, say, fatty liver or an already <laughs> compromised liver, yeah. elevated enzymes that go on, go on. I don't want to put words in your mouth, so go on. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think it's, you're, you're exactly right. The fatty liver is that that's the warning sign, right? When you fatty livers like anxiety or irritable bowel or thing, things that might have a diagnosis, but we're like, what is that? It's not, it, you know, you can live with anxiety. It's yeah. not like all hands on deck. Oh my God, I have anxiety, but it really is because by the time you get to anxiety, your system's out of whack, your gut's out of whack, your system is not happy. Mm -hmm. So if you can regulate the system, the anxiety, and literally when it must've been today's the day we're recording is, I think it was Monday, two days ago, I was talking to one of my patients who we had this whole, oh no, it was today. We had this whole conversation about her skin, that her skin was erupting. And we started to talk about seed oils and uh, rancid oils and fried foods. And so about seven weeks ago, she eliminated, she basically started only eating at home mm -hmm. and eliminated all the seed oils. And it was so poignant because she said to me, so first of all, her skin is much clearer. Her mm -hmm. acne is almost gone. She's mm -hmm. got some bacne now. But what she said that was amazing, she said, I didn't realize the impact that my food had on my anxiety because now that I'm eating cleaner, my anxiety is so much less. And the other day I went out and I had a bunch of things that really didn't work for me. And my anxiety flared like crazy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, you are what you eat and your gut relies on being given good things to be able to keep you healthy. So anxiety is an all hands on deck, like, oh, geez, you know, the system's not happy, but we don't think of it like that. But it really is. Anything that happens is a reason to say, oh, geez, I got to get healthy. Most people don't realize that food depression is a real thing, mm -hmm. like alcohol depression. I explained to my clients, Saturday night, you go out, you have a great night. Sunday, you're too hangover to feel anything you're almost numb but come Monday you get that hangover depression you're coming down you feel terrible the same thing happens with food food can cause depression but people yes. don't don't pick up on it and uh, anxiety like I said it's it blows my mind sometimes because I'm trying to help people with anxiety and guess what happens to me I get anxiety because I'm trying to help people with anxiety right. and I'm like I can't escape this yeah yeah, I mean, it, it can, it can be really difficult to deal with because not, I mean, we can't say anxiety is only food or only toxins. Yeah. 
there's a lot more that goes into it. I mean, your genetics go into it, but we live like we are our genetics when in reality, our genetics are 10% of the con of the soup. You know, or I, I have this great slide that I put together for presentations where the environment is the base. And then there's eating, sleeping, pooping, thinking, moving, connecting, intimacy, all of these things are, are the meat of the sandwich and the top is your genes. But again, it's only 10%. Yeah. They can set the stage, but then how you live is going to light the match. So mm -hmm. it, a lot, the, the take-home message is you have agency and control over this. You just need to get your hands around what game are you playing? You know, like what's the goal and what should you be doing? But yeah. it's absolutely fixable. I'm glad you touched on the whole idea of these fats because I spent half of my time trying to drive home the idea to my clients that these trans fats, these hydrogenated fats, these bad fats, as we call them, they do so much damage that people don't realize they're in your dressing, they're in your burgers that when you're eating out, you might make a better choice with a Caesar salad, but it's still in the dressing. Mm -hmm. Chicken wings, your chicken wings, have they been fried or baked? Like it's everywhere, but people, I spent half of my time telling people, you know, sometimes just eliminating that, it's going to make a bigger difference for people than going and eliminating sugar, which of course reduce sugar, but I really think the trans fats are causing a bigger problem which brings me to the next kind of, and you may or may not know about this, but how does food additives and food colorings affect us? So food colorings are derived from tar, which is a petroleum product. Mm -hmm. So when you're eating food colorings, you're eating petroleum. <laughs> so that's a toxin. Um, food additives. I mean, when we talk about, so some of the artificial food flavors like um no, i'm totally blanking the thing the sweeteners have been shown to be pro-cancer causing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that's not i mean and they're still in the market aspartame is still on the market but it is linked to cancer so what you want to start to look at is all of again it acts like a toxin so if you're a sensitive human if, or if this is what your Achilles heel is and you eat or drink a lot of it, you're going to eventually react. So, so what I would say is to the extent that you can avoid artificial colors, artificial flavors, artificial sweeteners, it's going to be in your favor. Yeah, as much as you can. I had a client asking me the other day about her little girl, who I believe is three or four, and she was doing great. And then she got exposure to what she believes is food coloring. A day or two later, she starts having these respiratory issues, potentially pneumonia. And I'm trying to explain, you know, it's going to be hard to fully avoid this stuff, but it could be that it's causing an immune response in her and compromising her immune. And Again, we don't think of, oh, food coloring. Oh, this is a red Skittle or a red M&M. And I'm not just saying red, but most people right. are aware that red is a problem or orange is a problem. But these, unless they're naturally colored, shall I say, with beets or spirulina or turmeric yeah. or whatever, it is pretty hard. And we both have young kids. I have a little boy. He still wants certain things. And I'm not always saying no. And I also understand kids a bit more resilient than us they can metabolize stuff better than us but it's another thing that's in in that soup bowl or in that sandwich yes. it's just another issue that we have yeah how how we navigate this in our family so I'll remember I gave all my kids one gluten gene mm -hmm. and so my older two are super sensitive to gluten because we learned the hard way that the genes are terrible and everyone in my family is reactive. So they're off gluten. My younger two have never gotten gluten. Well, maybe twice, you know, there's a screw up at school. They give them gluten, but how we handle it is our home is gluten-free. We don't give them cow's dairy and we don't bring artificial colors or flavors into the house. Now they live on this earth. So mm -hmm. when they're out with their friends they might get an ice cream and it might have something in it, not gluten because they do react, but it might have artificial colors or artificial flavors. But at one point, my older two love baking and my oldest will is very independent, will brought this thing in the house and I'm looking and I'm like, ew, ew. So I sat them down and I was like, look, I love that you love baking and I get that you're making it for someone else, but this stuff does not belong in our house. You may not bring these things in our house. She said, I'm baking for someone else. I said, I don't care. Mm -hmm. 
because you sample it and then the we we have two we call them the pigs long story we call them the bigs and the littles basically and I was like the littles try it and then there's leftovers these can't come in the house and I actually threw them out so I'm pretty militant about what we bring in the house. And I recognize that when you go out and about, you might get exposed to things because mm -hmm. you are living on the earth. So you, again, you're not perfect. You just do better, right? Pick your line in the sand and try not to cross it. Yeah. Do your best and, and have forgiveness and compassion when it doesn't go the way you thought it should. Right? Yeah. You oh, use a nicer God. word than me. You say militant. I say, look, I'm pretty anal about this. So I'm, I can control what my little boy has and I only buy really high quality foods. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, it, it's a blessing that I can do that. A lot of people yeah. can't do that. But my teenager now is 18 and I've noticed him start to bring in a monster and these are their energy yes. drinks and this, that. And he's like, what do you think of this? And my simple answer is, well, I'm not going to eat that. So, and he knows I'm a high performer. I'm like, if you want to be like me, I'm not going to eat that. So if I'm not going to eat that, there's your answer right there. Like I'm not right. putting that in my body at all. So, um, but, but again, like there's only so much you can control. You're going to go to yeah. a wedding. You're going to go to a birthday. Yes. Something's going to happen. So in the times you can control this we stack conditions in our favor. We make the best choices we can. So that may like the 80, 20 rule, then that 20% right. of the time we know, well, okay, well, I have all this other stuff playing in my favor, which brings me to kind of my last question before we start to wrap up. And that is things that will play in your favor. So I wanted to ask you, do you have specific supplements that you like to use to help to bind and chelate and detoxify my favorites I love chlorophyll um I I'm an avid proponent for molecular hydrogen and it activates the NRF2 pathways I love collagen and amino acids for helping with the liver there is do you have anything and then as a follow-on to that um what foods what foods are your favorite so let's just say three or four each supplements and foods. So the precursor to this is there's things you can do on your own, no problem. And then there's things you should do with a provider. Mm -hmm. So you won't harm yourself doing spirulina and chlorella. You really won't like it's, it's in your favor. It binds to the mycotoxins. It binds to metals. So those are things that I'm totally fine with people going whole hog on. You can't harm yourself. Cilantro, parsley, you're not going to harm yourself with food-based remedies. Yeah. Uh, I would be careful with dosing with activated charcoal, unless you're really working with someone, you're not going to really harm yourself, but you can pull out your minerals and nutrients yeah. and it is a binder. So you want to make sure that you're taking it separate from food supplements and medication so that it's only dealing with the toxins and not the things that you want to keep. Mm -hmm. So my favorite things for general, I can do this on my own detox or, or maintain and help get rid of what I'm exposed to would be chlorella, cilantro, parsley, glutathione and the precursor to glutathione is uh, N-acetylcysteine and alpha lipoic acid. So those are great. And then um, like a high quality B vitamin because mm -hmm. the Bs are required for detox. And then foods are things like ginger and turmeric and carrots. And you want to eat the rainbow like Deanna Minix talks about is eat a wide variety of preferably organic vegetables. You know, the, the USDA says five serving five to seven servings of fruits and vegetables a day, but people only heard five serving five to seven servings of fruit. So it's really like five to seven servings of fruit and one to two pieces of vegetable. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I totally misspoke. Back to five to seven servings of vegetables and one to two pieces of fruit a day. So really eating your way into filling your plate with bright, colorful, nutrient filled uh, vegetables, especially organic, because they've had to fight for their right. And that actually makes them healthier. Yeah. So those would be my top things, really. Do you have any teas or liver supports you like? I really like dandelion root, but um, of course, there's milk thistle and a few others. 
So we, so on our Dirty Girl Detox site, we have something called Daily Detox, which has lots of support for detox and sort of the B vitamins and a multivitamin. So that I love because you pretty much can't harm yourself with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's, um, it's got levels of vitamin D that are safe for everyone. It's got CoQ10, it's got uh, N-acetylcysteine and ALA, like it has all that stuff. It doesn't have glutathione because it breaks down too quickly. But I, that's the one I use for liver support in general. And I also do a, a medical food that supports phase one and phase two in the liver. I, I recommend it and I take it. It's a protein powder. So mm. it's kind of a mix, like a blend of stuff, but I'm a huge fan of food. You can, you can do this on your own without supplements. Theoretically. Do you ever just, this is, I swear the last question, do you ever test for glutathione polymorphisms? I know there's certain genetic traits where people who take N-acetylcysteine don't have the ability then to convert to glutathione. So they need to take direct glutathione. We're not doing a ton of testing, although we have a great, we use the um, Nordic DNA test in our practice and love it, uh, which I think goes into the glutathione pathways so if so we're not doing a ton of it although we think it's great mm -hmm. uh typically anyone who needs to detox we're putting them right on based on testing we're putting them on glutathione liposomal glutathione and liposomal c we're putting yeah. them on really the end end use products yeah so it's uh, you're eliminating that risk that they couldn't metabolize correct yeah well, this has been fascinating. Where can we find out more about you, what you preach? And also, where is your book available? Sure. Great question. So the book is best to get the book on Amazon. Uh, type in Dirty Girl Detox Book. Not Don't just type in Dirty Girl, right? You said at the beginning you might not get <laughs> what you're looking for. Come <laughs> yeah. So type in Dirty Girl Detox Book. You can use my name, Trubo. On all of the social platforms, my handle is at Wendy Trubo MD. And then there's sort of two, we have a podcast, which is the Feel Freaking Amazing Five Journeys podcast. And then if you're interested in working with us, we have the Five Journeys Clinic. And then if you're like, wow, I like this, I want to do programs and I want to take some detox stuff, we have the Dirty Girl Detox National Brand, which is really for the consumers to be able to do. And that helps with hormone detox as well as toxin detox. We have two different programs there. That's Fantastic. I'm going to, of course, post links in the description. And as you're speaking, yeah. I was like, please, nobody type in dirty girl into Google. Do not. Yeah, you won't, do you're that. not going to find me. But the book's <laughs> yeah. bright yellow. If you if you type in dirty girl detox book, yeah. even Wendy, and you misspell my name, the, the search engine should pick it up properly. Yeah. Or just okay. click the links that I share. That's the easiest thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a great way. Well, thank you for your time today, Wendy. This has been a pleasure and also kind of taking all my questions that I was just flying at you. Um, I, I know that my followers are going to find this really helpful. And I specifically ask questions that my followers ask. So thank you for that. Yes, yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And I really hope that this is giving people the next step, right? Like how to, how to take a, don't be paralyzed, just take one step because you've got mm -hmm. this. Yeah, totally. And realize that this is a big, it's more important than we kind of realize. Yeah. So thank you for that. It's been a pleasure. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye.